Welcome back to Montana Voices, episode 5. Or I guess it would be Montana Voice without the plural, because I am running solo today. During the last podcast, we did run into some equipment issues, which resulted in some, in my opinion, subpar audio that we still put out there. I mean, it was salvageable, and I think you can hear what we're saying, but uh, one of our audios uh, was no good due to an equipment failure that we experienced uh, right on the brink of recording that cast. Furthermore, the Montana election results are still close, and we do not have clear winners yet. As of this cast, we are about 50% reporting, and although we have a good idea of whom the winners are, we are still holding off until some of the official results are being released. So we're thinking a cast uh, Thursday post-election to discuss the uh, effects and repercussions that'll, that'll come from this election. This episode is going to be a rundown of the results as we know them right now, as well as a discussion um, <laughs> discussion uh, with myself regarding future topics. But first, some business. To get in contact with Montana Voices with any comments, suggestions, complaints, or uh, uh, Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency, we'll definitely accept those. Uh, uh, we are at Montana underscore Voices on Twitter or MontanaVoices at gmail.com. And the email was all one word, was lowercase. And on Facebook, we are Montana Voices. I don't think there are any others that you might find in that, but the icon is the same as ours as you'd see on SoundCloud, iTunes, um, Google Play, or Google Podcasts, wherever you get, wherever fine podcasts are sold. So there'll likely be more social media presence in the future, but we are, are both busy folks that are you know, traveling around the state and, and doing work, essentially for our respective jobs. So more coming in the future, maybe a Patreon, not opposed to a, a 4chan or or Reddit either, but I guess we'll see what the future hold here. So to some preliminary results. Now, I do apologize in advance if things change and we are upset here because podcasts are really not the right venue for late-breaking news. But uh, first and rant, in order to get uh, live up to the second results, I had to go to some out-of-state page like the New York Times or Politico or even uh, the Huffington Post Either there's no live updated web page uh, from our local news outlets, or, or you have to go to the large outfit. Uh, MontanaElectionResults.gov is where most of this info came from. However, that site is somewhat difficult to navigate, in my opinion. Now, I was going to come off and say that there was no big surprise in the election here, but things are changing. Uh, when I started looking at putting out a monologue uh, for this podcast, Tester had a clear lead um, by several percent, and I was going to make a joke about Breckenridge pulling out uh, too late because he got 3% of the vote. Uh, once again, uh, before Breckenridge had pulled out, some 40 or 43% somewhere around there had already voted on the absentee setup that we have set up here in Montana. But uh, that might not affect this because according to uh, the uh, Montana site, Rosendale is now ahead by, I think, several thousand votes. Uh, or 4,000 votes, my goodness, and that has been, uh, changes 49 to 49% right now by by 2,000 votes, and uh, of course we're only, t according to the site, 23% reporting. However, if you go to other sites, such as the New York Times, um, they're still calling John Tesh the winner, and they're actually reporting more votes than what the uh, Montana, uh, or mtelectionresults.gov is reporting. Which is interesting, and I'm not saying there's anything awry here. Perhaps they have a inside uh, telephone line or some sort of resource that we do not are not privy to. It's interesting for sure. 
Gianforte has a comfortable lead. Um, I, I don't predict or I don't think that anything will change in that. And that wasn't really an upset. In, in polling, early polling all the way through, he was the favorite. And, you know, that makes sense to me. Unlike uh, Rosendale, who in the last episode I called a lapdog for Trump, he actually had some positions and uh, some presence. Uh, <laughs> Greg the body, he definitely has a presence with, with voters and uh, with solid positions that uh, Rosendale did not, other than just repeating what Trump says, pretty much. Now, Gene Forte, of course, does have the support of Trump. He is one of his favorites, because he's uh, been in every campaign event, I think, uh, the three that he had, four he had here in the state. But having something else outside of that plays into effect as well. On the initiatives, both 185 and 86 are dead. And, of course, I can't really say we're surprised there. It's sort of what I expected with the, the feeling on things. There's, of course, not really much pulling on that, or at least not complete pulling. So it's hard to know which way those were going to go. Certainly a lot of money is spent on at least the 185 one. You couldn't drive by a gas station and not know about 185. Now, I don't know what effect that might have on voters, whether they uh, take a lot of credence in the opinions of their local gas station or not. Uh, certainly interesting as well, which sort of segues me into topics that we're going to look at for the future. And I suppose this is also my chance to define the purpose of this podcast. So once again, only 23% reporting. Well, I'm going to have to get a feel of how the election was around the state. Uh, I know certain counties have taken a different approach to it, such as Cascade County, which try to shoves everybody uh, pretty much into the fairgrounds and makes it... Uh, very crowded place here where i'm at in missoula county where i've moved to it was a uh, my local office where I, the precincts where i should have been voting was pretty empty although they claim to be pretty busy with a lot of people coming through and a lot of voter turnout that they hadn't seen in the past uh, uh my wife who uh, had the uh, foreknowledge and understood her responsibility she had already been registered however i was still registered in great falls where we moved from last year so when she went to vote uh she got in and out of there in a couple minutes and that's completely in checked in got her ballot filled out dropped in the box and and out the door literally a couple minutes i however went in there and said i needed to register to vote because i had just moved and they informed me to go to the missoula fairgrounds which was crazy very crowded uh, not as much as cascade county but they did get me uh in and out there but it was a process apparently uh Voting cannot stop a good hockey game because there was a hockey, uh, I'm not sure if it was a game or scrimmage. There were certainly a lot of people there. They, we have the open rink here in Missoula, so the edges are open and you can see them play hockey. I don't know how they charge for tickets if you can just, you know, look from the parking lot. But it's really interesting. Parking was uh, difficult. We had to be directed in. There was lines there. I was in line for a little bit over uh, an hour. I mean, I actually voted after the 8 p.m. cutoff, however... Uh, I'm told I, I still counted. Yeah, went in line and uh, was a nice setup there. There was people handing out pizza. I went with uh, two of my kids. Uh, left two of them with the wife uh, for this project. You know, people handed them pizza and the, I was given coffee and there was some hot chocolate and nice people, very professional setup over there. However, they were probably a little overwhelmed uh, with the whole process. At one point, uh, I had just gotten up to the door. Um, and this is the pre-registration door. I'd filled out my sheet in line. Somebody handed it uh, 
to me on a clipboard, told me to fill it out. I'd done so and walked up to the door. Uh, an election official had just opened up the other door and walked out. She just looked at the line and just sighed and, and walked back in. Apparently it was a large voter turnout for them. But they were able to get me registered. Following registration, I got to move to the actual voting line where somebody would hand me a ballot. Um, and it was another line that moved a bit quicker because um, it was basically moving at the pace of people voting. Very effective in my two voting experiences, and I could have saved myself uh, quite a bit of time and a little bit of pain by doing the right thing by pre-registering, which is super easy because I've been in Missoula for almost a year now, and it's hard to go to any event in Missoula without people asking you if you're registered to vote. Then they have the forms uh, that enable you to vote, uh, register to vote, even absentee vote, right there that you can fill out and turn it on your own accord. So that is how my wife got registered. We were at the farmer's market. Somebody asked her if she wanted to register, and she did. And I'd been ignoring all these people for some time, because I don't want to talk to people. Completely my fault there. Topics for the future. Um, I guess this is my chance to define the purpose of the podcast and what we envision us doing with this podcast and, and, and why we bother to make it. Both myself and Bryce are very much involved in the political process. We volunteered and worked for and with various campaigns in the past, and um, I guess we've just gotten sort of tired of armchair politics that dominates the scene today. You know, the typical online arguments that you see on uh, Facebook where people are really baring their teeth and even pulled out veiled threats. We've seen that, and uh, the sort of thing that polarizes us, and it just uh, struck me as odd because especially the people I argue with, which uh, unfortunately are usually people that I work with, and occasionally people I go to church with, uh, although I try to stay out of that with them because I generally like them as people. People that I get along with, and if talking in person, and, and this has happened to me several times, of people that online, I, I just get so angry at them and practically want to murder them, but if we have a face-to-face -face argument, we have found that we have more things in common, and I guess... The big common thing is uh, we both care for our country, county, state, city, municipality, etc. And we just disagree on how best to do things. And the other side isn't as evil as some people would like us to believe. We've gotten sort of tired of that. And I'm, both me and Bryce have been way too caught up in it. So we decided to put the, the future of our online labors to, to something more productive. And it's not to say we're going to use this as a platform to indoctrinate uh, all of our listeners of our opinion, although we're going to be very opinionated. I think we came out pretty clear in the last episode uh, where we straight out told you who we were voting for and why we voted for them. So I guess the thing I want you guys to get out of this is that we're not so different uh, even if we disagree on positions and we think things through and think differently than some people for, for reasons, and I'm sure you do, which is why we open ourselves up to suggestions and uh, perhaps even guest uh, hosts in the future as well. More to come on that later in a future episode. So perhaps by being very upfront with our opinions on matters, the audience can also recognize our biases and understand where we're coming from and can make up their own mind on things, although we won't attempt to be as unbiased as possible even after we <laughs> tell you what our biases are. So for the future episodes, uh, I'd like to talk about the political influence of media influencers. And at least on the national stage, you have people like actors and, you know, Hollywood uh, making statements uh, and uh, being leaders in, I guess, national politics or 
I'm not sure how effective they are, which is exactly what we seek to discuss. Uh, here locally, we have an occasional musician like a Rick Trine out of Great Falls, or uh, people that are involved in media anyway, and uh, occasional out-of-state people who are big presences on, on social media. We'll get more into the names of that. I'm sorry, Rick Trine's the only one that came to mind. Uh, he, of course, ran in the last general election, but was ousted by an incumbent. I think during the election he was very... Uh, very articulate and used social media to his advantage. However, that uh, didn't materialize into the votes that he needed, perhaps because of some of his positions and the Great Falls people decided in their infinite wisdom that he's not a person they wanted uh, in office. Uh, maybe that'll change. I don't know if he has plans of running again. But Rick Tryon, maybe in the future, future guest, we'll maybe touch base with him and, and other influencers, as we call them. Another thing I'd like to discuss is the effectiveness of voting. This Pretty much any mainstream source is going to tell you and pretty much shove it down your throat to, to vote. If you remember the vote or die campaign where um, the majority of people chose death apparently, uh, I think it was 2008 or was that 2012 for Obama's re-election, I, I can't recall. In the mainstream, that's that's what you're going to hear and everybody you know points to that direction and even you're allowed to bully non-voters because uh, people do that. Non-voters and smokers are the last two people you're allowed to bully, even though we didn't pass 185. You can still bully smokers and ask them why they're smoking, etc. The effectiveness of voting and what that does, uh, some things on the fridge or some groups on the fringe think, in fact, I even saw a video from Reason. For those not in the know, Reason is the Libertarian magazine and, and pretty much the biggest one. They also are a big YouTube presence and a uh, decent online presence. Certainly not as big as some of the like PragerUs or any of the other really right-wing sources, but they're sort of a different animal entirely. I think the other right-stream, right-wing sources actually disagree with them a lot of the time. So they had a video out on why you shouldn't vote, and they you know made some convincing arguments. Uh, although you know I sort of disagreed, or definitely disagreed. Because obviously I went through a big ordeal to vote myself, and why we're seeing it on the on the on the fringes, where people are suggesting that uh, participating in a corrupt system only serves a said corrupt system, and of course somebody in the third party would think of that. Uh, in this case, the libertarians or libertarian-minded people, Green Party. Haven't heard anything from them in a while, but maybe more news than that in the future. And of course, we're going to discuss election results and whether this was a referendum for Trump, or how people feel the country is going. Because I feel that, um, you know, when confronted, there's, I think there's a lot of bias in the media. And this is coming from somebody, someone on the left, who is not a Trump supporter. I, I can see how a Trump supporter would feel like the media is biased against them, because it, it generally is. Um, late night has failed to be uh, comedic, and in my opinion, just goes for the cheap shots on Trump. And granted, Trump makes it easy with his shenanigans. But, um, they're going after the low-hanging fruit there. So we're going to move over to native politics as well. Obviously, the native population in our state is a, you know, a sizable minority. I just had to look this up myself, but natives comprise about 8% of the population, and they are growing, and they're a fast-growing demographic. Of course, they don't operate as a unit, you know, not even as cohesively as other minorities might. But 8% is still a sizable chunk of the population. They're split across numerous reservations throughout the state. And we should spend some time discussing those and uh, those reservations and the politics that are associated with them. Something that caught my eye this past week, I was uh, driving through uh, 
Polson, and I picked up the Valley News, uh, which looks like it's a weekly local paper there, which takes a lot of its news from UM students here, here in Missoula, which uh, makes sense. I wonder if they work for free or if they, they intern or whatnot. Uh, probably an interesting question to ask them. But there was a one-page article, or it looked like an article. It didn't say ad on it, but it, it looked and feel like an ad. It was apparently written by the tribe or by the uh, leading council member who wanted to point out to all the readers the taxes that the tribe pays and what it does with its money to benefit uh, the local communities. And, of course, um, CSKT, or Salish Coot, Confederated Salish Kootenai tribes, are a bit different than the other tribes in the state, uh, which is why they all deserve their own their own thing. And finding any information on this is uh, difficult because of how different every tribe is. And they're governed by different agreements and different treaties with the federal government. I mean, even Googling, um, do Indians pay taxes, gives you mixed results depending on who you're talking about. And so that, that's worth discussing more in depth. So apparently the Lake County, which is on the reservation but not governed by the reservation, um, receives taxes, property taxes, from the tribe for property that they own that's not tribal property but is Lake County property. And you can easily see how confusing this checkerboard ownership gets and how it seemingly doesn't make any sense, which is why it is worth a chat. And we're, of course, still looking for more news sources. Getting real news is pretty scarce. Uh, inviting sites like The Electric or uh, Missoula News, uh, the new offshoot there, if you didn't know about it or you didn't live in those communities, you might not be privy to that information. So we're still looking for those. Uh, and we're not uh, limiting ourselves just to online resources. We're, of course, limited in looking for print resources as well, So, uh, which is why I picked up the Valley News. Um, we have the Haver Daily News, which is no longer daily, I think. I think they changed their name. Um, certainly, paper media is, is changing and, and possibly going away. The birdcage liner, as they call it. So we're looking for more of those stories. And and also, we want to sort of explore and uh, try to put into words and communicate uh, the things we love about Montana. Which is, of course, more than the politics. Uh, certainly, way past the politics. Me and uh, Bryce both spent a lot of time driving through what would be very rural Montana. In the last episode, he mentioned Thompson Falls, which... Uh, we don't know where Thompson Falls is. It's a uh, northwest corner of the state, pretty much. Uh, Libby area? It's on the way to Libby. I recently went on a trip. Uh, and I went all the way through Libby. And I went up through Paradise, which is one of the most beautiful... Paradise, Montana, one of the most beautiful places in the state. It's a, a vibrant community. No real place to eat there when I was there at 9 in the morning. So there's no local business shout-out from Paradise, Montana at this point. And of course, we have some unique places like Noxon, which is only accessible by one long single lane bridge. So the politics of, of those regions is interesting as well and how those communities are, are thriving even as they are essentially in decline, unfortunately. The demographics are changing. Uh, rural living is changing. There used to be checkerboard homesteads everywhere uh, all across the state. Now farms have gotten larger as economy of scales have proven that a uh, large farm is better off to survive. Those family homesteads are, are slowly going away, now they're uh, becoming engulfed in larger farms or becoming subdivisions, such as uh, what is happening to our old family farm, unfortunately. Uh, that region is now uh, all subdivisions. The farm is still there, but there's not much farming there, and the gentleman uh, or 
family friend uh, that now owns the farm is when he dies, uh, it, it is likely that his children will, you know, sell out to the rich out-of-state subdivision that's uh, slowly encroaching on them. So, unfortunate, that's how the demographics are changing, of driving, oh, geez, 10 hours, I went up through <laughs> to Paradise, through Noxing, uh, through Wolf Prairie, which I, I'm not sure is a town, but it's called a an area, the Wolf Prairie area, and then cut across on uh, Forest Service Road all the way over to uh, Whitefish. And I was on this road, uh, it... According to the map, and of course this is a Forest Service road, and uh, very unmanned, that there's not really in any map unless you get an in-depth ox map or an actual local Forest Service map for that region. So I wasn't sure if the road actually went all the way through and I could get to uh, my endpoint, which was Kalispell in this case, if I can get there on that road. And I'd uh, seen a few people from the railroad, but they're generally too busy to bother with anyone because they got schedules to keep, I understand. So I'm driving along the road thinking I'm going the right direction and thinking that I'm eventually going to end up where I need to be. And I see this truck on the side of the road. So I stop, and the guy is sighting in his shotgun, which is uh, you know, sort of odd because normally <laughs> you don't do that on a shotgun. Um, it's sort of... Uh, you know, scatters everywhere, in my opinion. You're likely to have a rifle instead of a shotgun if you're you're working with a sight. But he was doing that, so I asked him if he was hunting, and uh, he responded no. I was like, oh, uh, all right, well, that's a little weird. But um, And then I asked him if I could get to Kalispell on this road. And he stopped and uh, looked me up and down. It like, took an awkward moment, and he's like, yeah, but you got to go through Whitefish. So I'm like, all right, uh, I, I have no problem with Whitefish. I've been through Whitefish numerous times. I've, I've stayed there. I've eaten there, done business there, done work there. So I'm like, I'm, I'm okay with Whitefish. Uh, can you tell me, uh, do I just drive straight? Do I turn? What, what's up ahead? And uh, then he looks at me again. He's like, well, if you're sure. And uh, I'm not sure the exact message he was trying to communicate to me. Um does it make sense? Certainly Whitefish has a sort of a reputation for the uh, white supremacist uh, Richard Spencer, but he's just a small thing, a small faction. He just happens to be from Whitefish. He has to be from somewhere. And I think most people would say that they have not experienced racism in Whitefish. Um, that was certainly a joke when we were talking to some of our friends who own a resort over in Whitefish, and they are both very white. And they said, well, I've never experienced racism in Whitefish, and we you know, had a sensible chuckle. So I am... a not necessarily white, but uh, also not any sort of type of dark. But uh, if you're not native, there's only one kind of brown in Montana. And uh, I'm not it, uh, unless you're not in the know. So maybe he was making some sort of statement there, I'm not sure. So an episode in the future, we'll discuss the racism or lack thereof of whitefish. Certainly, uh, the Spencers are not the everything in, in whitefish. Maybe there's some of it. I imagine all communities have it. I know when there was the Unite the Right thing going on, they had to truck in, or I guess it would be fly in or boat in, <laughs> out-of-country Nazis because they couldn't get 200 people that were willing to show their faces at these things, which is typical. We're, we're getting further, but I feel that the media and other things have given undue attention to these very small group of crazies and trying to make a jump and an innuendo that they sort of represent uh, a party or a group or a mass at large, which I don't think that's a thing. So this podcast obviously is going to be a little bit shorter than our typical uh, hour run that we're doing. So I think I'm doing pretty good. We're running up on 30 minutes here, and I'm half of the usual guests on this podcast. About time to wrap it up and uh, 
don't want to be too long-winded, and I certainly don't have nobody uh, or anybody to bounce ideas off of and to tell me when I'm blatantly wrong or if I'm you know, out of line. Well, it's good to have people to hold you accountable, which is why Bryce is the Simon to my Garfunkel and vice versa, where both of us here are... It's kind of lonely without him, I'm getting, or without a guest. Definitely will have a guest. We will overcome our technical difficulties on the next podcast, uh, which should be coming out later this week. Uh, be sure to type any comments. We, of course, Montana underscore uh, voices on uh, Twitter or Montana voices on Facebook and Montana voices, all one word underscore on uh, gmail.com. Be sure to send your requests and uh, any comments you may have to, to those resources. Thank you for listening.